Good day and thank you for joining us here at Molly's Place, where we read, relax, and discuss books written by authors of color. My name is Vanita Johnson Newsom, and my guest today is Cherie Clark. So grab a drink, find a spot on the sofa, and let's get started. This week's book is Kindred by Octavia Butler. She was a sci-fi writer, born in 1947, and she passed away in 2006. She received an AA degree from Pasadena Community College and attended the University of California, Los Angeles. Her books include the Potterist series, Parable and Earthseed series, Bloodchild, and her last book was Fledgling. She received numerous awards such as the Langston Hughes Medal of the City of College, the MacArthur Foundation Genius Grant, the Hugo Award for Best Novelist for Bloodchild, she was inducted into the Sci-Fi Hall of Fame, and in 2019, the Los Angeles Public Library opened the Octavia Lab, a do-it-yourself maker and audiovisual space named in her honor. Now, to get a little summary of the book, it was originally published in 1979. The book is about a black woman in 1976 named Dana Franks, who on her 26th birthday, is suddenly called back to the antebellum south of Maryland in order to save a white boy named Rufus Whalen a number of times from dying long enough for her great-grandmother Hagar to be born. And it also goes through her experience and what happened to her and her husband, Kevin. I read the book twice. The first time I read the book, which was about eight years ago, I really enjoyed it. But the second time I really looked into it, the characters, the relationships and certain things that I didn't see the first time stood out to me the second times. It did grab my attention and I think it was well written. I think it's one of her best writings for me. Well, this is the first time I've read a book of hers and I, it's very intriguing. I mean, um, it was very, it, 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 it holds you and it keeps you to the end of the book. You don't, your mind doesn't wander when you're reading this. Very creative and very, very good writer. One of the things that I liked about the book was, even though it was a sci-fi book, it didn't feel like a sci-fi book. It felt more historical to me. Mm-hmm. Felt um, very roots-like to me, almost. The book Roots. Oh, I didn't think. Going back, you didn't think about Roots? No, I didn't I think did. it. I thought about Roots, particularly when um, the characters were trying to run away because they, you know, they just wanted to be free. The first time she went back. Mm-hmm. She didn't stay there that long. She didn't stay very long. When, her, when she transported back and forth through time, it was always suddenly. Right. She didn't know where she would be. Uh, what so was going to happen. What was going to happen. How she, long she, she was going to be there. Yep. How the, long she would drop in and when she would come back. But the first time was very quick. And that was just to save um, Rufus the first time when he was a little boy. She realizes why she's there. Right. And that's to save... Rufus, Rufus, because he is a descendant of hers. Right. And she had to go back to make sure he doesn't die so that one of her ancestors would be able would to, to live and she would be able to live eventually. Yes. She had to come through she had to come through him. Really she was talking to her great great grandfather this yes. whole time. Keeping her great great grandmother alive was paramount to her. Because if he died, and it, it, every time she got, sna he, she got snatched back into his time, it was to save his life in some way. So it was imperative that she did, because 
I think the guy was just trying to, you know, I don't know if he was trying to kill himself or he just didn't care. But she went had to go back in time to save him to make sure that she stayed alive. Out of st- stupid situations, he put himself Self, into it. Yep, he put himself into it. And one of the things what I was curious about or I found interesting is if I were to go back in time and know that I'm facing my great-great-grandmother, I would be at awe. I'd be, I would be so excited to meet my great-great-grandmother. Yeah, she but, had, like she didn't care. They were just a part of her life. Well, I think she was aware that if she had let her know that maybe that would have changed, that would have altered something some way and altered the future. No, and, I'm not saying that, but just to see them. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't tell him anything, but she knew Rufus was her great, great grandfather. He, yeah. She knew that, yeah. but she didn't treat him like that. Well, she had to treat him like slave and master. It wasn't anything like, hey, you're my great, great, great grandfather. I'm your, you know. How you doing, Grandpa? You know, she couldn't say stuff like that. She had to keep herself in that time. Yeah. Even though she bought some things from this time with her because she knew uh, from the first time that she was there, she needed to be better prepared. And when she'd feel the spells coming on that she was going to be called back, which was every time he got in trouble and was on the verge of dying, she would grab her backpack full of the things that she would need for that time to make it through. Yes. Now, I don't know why she didn't grab some penicillin or something, because that would been the first thing I grabbed. Aspirin? Really? No, aspirin, uh-uh. There's too many bugs and stuff back then, and they didn't know anything about keeping stuff clean, and uh, the only way they kept a wound clean was to pour salt water on it, Jesus. It was doing the job, but it was tantamount to macaracone to me. That's all they knew. That's all they knew, salt water. I found it very interesting also how she would transport back how she felt because in a lot of um, Octavia Butler writing, she explains how you feel. Like mm-hmm. she said, I would get dizzy. The room started to spin. spin. And things would go dark and she knew that she was uh, the dizziness was the um, this, the clue that something was getting ready to happen. Yes. So she kept her bag packed and it got to the point where she didn't trust herself driving or... She wouldn't leave the house. She couldn't leave the house because if say it happened when she was behind the wheel of a car, she how many people would she kill? Yes. Or if she's walking down the street. Walking down the street, and then somebody looking at you and saying hi, you disappear in front of their face. Yes. That's uh, crazy. No, she, she said, I couldn't leave. She couldn't. In our time in 1976, mm-hmm. it wasn't that long. She, was, she wasn't gone that long in our time, but in that time, she, she was gone for, for months. months. Yeah, she, she, she crossed over eternity. So she passed eternity, and when she got back here, she didn't age anything. I think the longest she was gone was eight days or something like that. No, it was eight months. Eight months, but that only came out to like three days. Yes. So over on that side, it was three days, and she never aged. And to me, that would have been a clue to everybody that was around her. How come I got gray hair popping out all over the place, and you don't look no different than you did the first time I saw you? Yes. Wouldn't because I think she went Rufus. He could have been no more than like seven, eight, yeah. six or seven years old. Yeah. Then when she came back, he was maybe 12 or 13. 12 or 13. And then when she came back, he was 20. And in his 20s. And she's still looking the same. Everybody else ages. Uh-huh. Bending over. Barely making it to the bathroom. Hair color changing. Exactly. And she, on the other hand, she still looked like the way she was. 25, 26. Mm-hmm. So that would have been a clue to me. But I guess back then... To me, that just shows how much they really looked at black people. Yes. They'd see black skin and say, okay, well, you're a slave. 
So they would they didn't notice that she was never aging because they didn't really look at black people for who they were. They would recognize you and uh, identify you from your talk or your walk or your job, but they never really looked at black people. But one of the things that they did find very strange about her when she first came there, and every time I think every time she did come there, she had on pants. She had on pants. They're like, you look like a boy. Uh huh. They thought that she was uppity because she she didn't use the vernacular of the day. Mm hmm. She uh, looked people in their face when she talked, which was a no no. You couldn't look a white person. Black person was supposed to look white people in the face. And her attitude. Her attitude. At the first when she uh, when she first came back and really had to deal with people, she thought that she could take what she had in 1976 into 1819 and not have to suffer the consequences of it. But speaking your voice and uh, being heard by them, that was called considered uppity, and that would get you beat. Being resistant to things they tell you to. They tell you to do something, and you stand there and ask them why. They didn't ask questions. And then when they found out that she, was, she could read, that was dangerous to them. Yeah, and she didn't want them associating with the other slaves because exactly. now you're trying to teach a nigga how to read. You don't teach niggas how to read because they knew that once the black people learned how to read, that they would be free. Yes. We were discussing before learning how to write letters so you mm -hmm. can write a free pass yep. or you can write your free papers. Yep. No, you can't have all can't that. can't have that. Now, how did you feel about the relationship between Dana and Rufus as a child and as an adult? Well, as a child, I think uh, Dana had more uh, control and was able to convey more things to him without him being angry or considering her uppity. And I also think he was more receptive of her as a child. He was more receptive. Because he wasn't really around a lot of other children. Now, he had the other slave children that he played with. Yeah. But he, he wasn't no more educated than they were because, you know, his father, I think he had a problem in school. Mm -hmm. And... They didn't think that he was very smart. Yeah, he may have had a little dyslexia or some kind of learning disability going because if a teacher told you stupid to your face, which the teacher did, you stupid. Maybe he wasn't stupid. Maybe he just had to learn a different way. Yes, and so he was a little bit open to the way Dana reacted to him or toward him because, you know, he didn't act the same way towards his mother. Dana was teaching him to read, and she was very patient with him. And he never did like to write. So that's why I'm thinking there may have been some underlying um, issues with him concerning writing and reading and stuff like that. Yes. I don't think she was as stern on him as I thought she should have been. Because mm -hmm. I think she did have a little bit of power over him to actually correct some of the stuff. But because she, I don't think she really knew him that well right. at that point that she couldn't really cross that boundary. But right. she would say, Rufus, you shouldn't do that. Like when they first met mm -hmm. and he called her a nigger. Right. And she said, you don't call me a nigger. And he had no idea what she was talking about. That's just what you did. That's, no, and that's what that you was, are. That's what you are. And he, she, I don't think she ever really got through to him on that, that black people were people because they weren't considered people. Um, I don't think she ever conveyed to him because he, would, he wouldn't necessarily call her that, but he would call other black people that. Yeah, and then she had to tell him when she called him Rufus. She said, you can't call me Rufus. You got to need to call me Master or Sir. Sir. Or Mr. Rufus. Or Mr. Rufus. And yeah. she said, no. She said, well, what I'll do is, you don't call me nigga, you call me Dana. Mm -hmm. And I will call you Ruf or Rufus while we're together. But when your father's around or when I'm around others, I'll call so you, you Mr. Rufus. Mr. Mr. Rufus. And so was, they did come to that understanding. There was a compromise there, yeah. But um, 
Now, as an adult, I think it was a little, he, he had became a little bit more influenced by his father. Right. So, and plus teenagers are rebellious anyway. But I think he had gotten to the point in his upbringing where he was a little bit more rebellious towards his family, his father and his mm-hmm. mother. Yeah. And I think he was a little bit more wanting to be a part of Alice's life. Now, Alice was born free. Right. Now, Alice is uh, her great-great-grandmother. Hagar is her great-grandmother. Right. Now, Alice was born free. Right. But she married a slave, Isaac, and they ran away. Once they ran away, they were both considered slaves, and Rufus brought her Mm -hmm. because she had gotten beaten almost to death, almost killed. And and Rufus brought her, brought her back. His father didn't think so. Why would you um, buy this woman all that money? Mm -hmm. And she ain't, ain't worth nothing. She ain't worth it. But he was in love with Alice as much as he could love a black woman. Yeah. And I don't, towards the end, I don't even think it was really love. I think it was the fact that he wanted to own her. And I think he wanted her to love him. Yes. And I think he was basing that on the fact that uh, Dana loved Kevin and Kevin loved Dana. Now, did that happen before I mean, before Kevin came or after Kevin came? Because I think he had a relationship or a fascination with um, Alice before he even met Kevin. Yeah, he did. He, uh, he, he was fascinated with her from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He wanted her. Yes. And when he tried to rape her, that's when her husband, you know, beat okay. him up. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember? And beat him up, and then that's when they came for him. And uh, they ran away after he beat him up, but they got caught. It wasn't very long before they were caught. And they cut that poor man's ears off. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that and she awful? was so traumatized that she didn't remember anything. She, I think she even, didn't she go back to like a, almost like an infant? Yeah, she was almost, um, she was. She, she was infantile. She, um, first of all, they, like you said, they almost beat her to death. They put the dogs on her? They put the dogs on her, took a chunk of her leg out, and just beat the poor woman till she just, she was almost dead. But Dana was able to bring her back. Slowly but surely. I think that he wanted, I really think that he wanted the relationship that Dana had with Kevin with Alice. But Alice just wasn't having it. She didn't want him like that. But eventually he got his way and she wound up having, what, three kids by him? Yes. She was still planning to run away. And, and, I th- and she even played the role mm-hmm. to have um, Rufus think that, that, he was, that she was falling in love with him. And he was happy as a clam. So she came to me, and it was so good. Mm-hmm. And that was just a... That the, was Dana. That was a facade. Exactly. Yeah, and he was thinking they were having this wonderful love affair relationship, which was totally illegal. I mean, it wasn't illegal for him to sleep with her, but white people didn't look at black people as objects of the, somebody that could be loved. Yes. Other outside of a, he's my favorite servant. Old Tommy, he dead now. Nobody can make a minute julep like Tommy. That's as far as the relationship of caring went. Yes, what they can people. offer, what they can do for me. Yeah, they treated they were treated more like pets. Now, as an adult, when you know when she came back to like the third or fourth time, and she was saying how he had looked older and and he had aged so much, mm-hmm. and but he was still in his twenties. Yeah. The more she went back, the less she cared about him. She saw him from what he was. From what he was, and that he wasn't going to change. And he wasn't going to change. I thought she really thought that she could have some kind of positive, positive influence. influence, but she had to keep remember what year was this? Yeah, and you have to remember also that if she had changed something, 
in his character or who he was, would that have affected the future? That's what I'm saying. Would have changed the course of history. History. If he would have all of a sudden now is going to start being nice to everybody. I think she, what she did, she did it correctly with her going back and doing as little as possible to affect the future. The only thing I really think she wanted to truly change was teaching others how to read. Yeah. That was one of her passions. The slave, teaching the slaves how, how to read. read. And even the little children. Even if she taught their parents how to read, mm -hmm. if I'm not here, you can teach them how to read. Right. And some of them did take to it. Some of them, some, some of them. the older slaves didn't want to teach. They wanted to them. read. One, you remember the guy in the book who, I think he was, they were at some kind of little party. Mm -hmm. And he just, he just looked at her and, yeah. and Rufus saw it. Got yeah, mad. and he got she, she came he came to the cookhouse to talk to her about something, but asked her just a simple question or something. Yeah, and Rufus saw it and got mad and got jealous, and sold him. And Dana was like, "Why would you do that?" He didn't want anything. He asked me, "Could I teach his brother and sister how to mm -hmm. read?" And they thought that Dana had told him to sell him. They thought Dana had something to do with him being sold. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was uh, Rufus that did it because he didn't want Dana to be with anybody else but him even though he knew that she was married to Kevin. Kevin. But Kevin wasn't in the picture. He had disappeared, and she couldn't find him. She was waiting around for him, and she was, uh, he, made, he lied to her about the, Kevin's whereabouts and whether yeah. he was getting, you know, letters and stuff like well, that. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let, let's okay. let the listeners give them a little background. Okay. The first time Dana went transporting back to the 1800s, she went by herself. Right. The second time she went back, now, was it deliberate or accidental that he went with her? I think it was accidental. I think he accidentally was holding her, was holding and he transported back there with her. So anything she touched or had on would go with her. Would she, go. Would, she just wouldn't show up in the past naked. <laughs> yeah. She, and everything, you know, it didn't turn like a switchblade didn't turn into a scathe. It, it stayed what it was. Yeah. So, so Kevin was touching her. I think he was trying to pass her a bag or something, and he had he, he had was still to hold on to it. So he transported back with her. Yeah, and that's where everybody was introduced to him back then. Exactly because, and she was more or less protected because he told everybody that he owned her. Yeah, so they left her alone. Was, well, that's his slave or whatever. But Margaret Whalen, well, the mistress of the house, she got on my nerves. She tried to make her house seem like it was so religious. What happened was Kevin wanted Dana to sleep in a room with him. In the room with him. She didn't want him sleeping with the other slaves. Yeah. Because that's what, she's my slave, she sleeps with me. Yeah, and they did it all the time, so I don't understand why they couldn't. Margaret had a problem with Margaret that. Margaret had a real problem with it. I think she wanted Tom. <laughs> she did. They kept saying she was always around him, and on about him, and, mm -hmm. oh, Miss, I mean, Mr. Kevin this and Mr. Kevin that. Mm -hmm. No. Because uh, Tom Whalen, he didn't have a problem with it. The father, he didn't have a problem with that. He already had his woman. He had his woman. and But she, all of a sudden, uh, there was no fornication allowed in her house. No. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. How many kids you see out there in the yard that belong to your husband? Half black and not by you. Because I don't think she could have, I think that the reason why she was so attached to um, Rufus is because she couldn't have any more children. Every time she would have get pregnant, she'd lose it. When Kevin transported back in that time... They tried to stay as close together as possible just in case something right. would happen. So if they were to transport back to 1976, yeah. they would do it together. Okay. But something happened to Dana, and they were separated. They got separated. And so Dana came back to 1976. Kevin stayed there mm -hmm. for five years. 
His time. His time. But in 1976, it, it was, was only, only three days or something. Eight days. Eight days. So she would stay here for eight days and be transported back there. The next time Rufus got in trouble with something, yeah, ready to die. And so when she transported back there, she wanted to know where was Kevin. Mm-hmm. And they said Kevin had left and gone, and he was, first he went to Baltimore, then, then he went, went to there. New York and then and he... I think, but Tom, I think he, I mean, Tom Whalen was getting letters from Kevin mm-hmm. everywhere he went, just in case Dana came back. And hiding them. And hiding them. Hiding the letters, because she was writing letters, and then she found the letters. Now, she, when she finally transported back and found that Kevin had left, she wanted to write um, Kevin mm-hmm. to let her know she's there. So she would ask Rufus to give her, you know, pens. And Rufus said, okay, I'll give you the paper and stuff. And she'd write the letters, and Rufus said, I'll send them off. And then one day, Alice found the letters. Found the letters that he wasn't sending them He was not sending them off. That was just dirty. He did her dirty. And I don't understand why. Because? He wanted her. He wanted her. Why are he coming back here for to get her? Exactly. Stay where you are. Stay where you we are. We happy right where we are. Mm-hmm. I can control this woman. Now, I know this is not, I'm going to throw this question out here, but I think if Kevin, because he was a white man, was able to travel from the antebellum south of mm-hmm. Maryland all the way up to Maine mm-hmm. with no problem. Right. Now, suppose her husband would have been black. He wouldn't have never made it out of uh, the county. They'd have hunted him down. Yeah. With dogs. Especially, I think, Rufus. If he'd have known that, if he was black and he knew that Alice, I mean, that um, Dana had that man, mm-hmm. he would have found some way to sell that to man. To sell him off or have him beat to death or anything to keep her with him. That's yeah. how controlling he was. Anybody who looked like they were looking at her, I got to get rid of him. I got to get rid of him. And he wasn't even, and she wasn't even really the one he wanted. He wanted Alice. He wanted Alice. But Alice being her great, great, great grandmother, they looked looked alike. They looked alike. They had the same attitude. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, Alice was a free woman. Yep. She didn't become a slave Slave until. Until she tried to run away with Isaac. How much influence do you think Dana had on the slaves and how much the slave had on Dana? Well, I think uh, Dana influenced the slaves, I think, a little unwittingly by bringing the fact that she could read and write, I think that lit something in them that they wanted to do it too. Well, she can do it, but I can do it too. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, get master to let you teach me how to read, which was a no-no back then. They did not, they just didn't allow black people to learn. They knew they could, but they didn't want them to because once they get a piece of that paper, they can write their own note. They can write their own note? Please let so-and-so travel he has my permission and by the time they make it back to the farm they're long gone yes um and i think that the slaves had the influence on her that the fact that they were hard worker and they were determined that they were going to survive yes and she had never been in the position or the situation even in 1976 america that her job performance or whatever she was doing was what was going to keep her alive because if you had to work you had to do what you had to do to survive back. That was their life. Yeah, that was that. You remember the scene in the book where the children, they, um, her and, and Kevin decided they were going to get away for a little bit. Right. And they saw these, these um, slave kids on a stump, mm-hmm. and one of the boys were on top of it, and they couldn't hear, and the, more, the closer they got to it, he was pretending he was a, the, a, slave, a slave on ma- the auction block. On an auction block. And he was pointing out to the other little children, 
how much they would pay. No, now who's next? You know, like a slave auction. Yeah, he's, he was the auctioneer. And that's all. That's all they that's knew. That's all they knew. Hide and go seek wasn't a game. Uh, duck, duck, goose wasn't a game. It was slave and auction. That was the scope of their even entertainment. As children. As children. And even as children, somewhere, I think, in the back of their mind, they knew that they could be sold off. At any at minute. any time. Any time. For any no time. reason. For no reason other than the fact that they wanted money or they considered you a uh, property. A property. And they were trying to get more liquid, I guess. Well, I'll give you her and you give me $300. Yes. Which was a lot of money back then. Or as punishment. As punishment. Taking their kids from them was punishment. And so it, somewhere I think they knew that if they considered it punishment, they knew that black people had feelings yeah, for their children. But they didn't want to acknowledge it. Exactly. They don't want to acknowledge that you have feelings. Nigel is his name. Yeah. Nigel was a, a, a I think she had a really big influence on him. Mm -hmm. um, I think he protected her a lot. Yeah. Even though it wasn't that prevalent in the book. Right. But towards the end it was. He yeah. saw that... Um, he needed to do something quickly mm -hmm. to cover up something. To cover some things up. Now with um, the relationship between um, Tom uh, Whalen and his son, mm -hmm. Rufus Whalen. Now, Tom Whalen was an awful father and a, and a worse slave owner. Exactly. And he called, because uh, Rufus had a hard time learning, he would call him stupid. But Tom was stupid too. He told him. He told him. He said, I, "You ain't no better. You ain't no better reading than I am." Mm -hmm. He was stupid too. So I'm like, "How are you gonna call your son stupid and you can't read?" Thank you. And they had a library, and he said, "But the thing of it is, was that his mother's his his mother's library?" Yeah. His um, Margaret Whalen was his stepmother. Right. And his mother had a library. Because yep. she liked books. Mm -hmm. But Margaret Whelan went on. She wasn't going to read no books. Mm -mm. She just had to be pretty and have people wait on her hand and foot. Yep. Have a slave's hand on her. If you didn't do it right, she would uh, find some way to get you punished. Just a spoiled brat. For no reason. For no reason at because all. Because that's how they were. Mm -hmm. that's how You're they the mistress of the uh, plantation. You ain't got to do nothing. You walk around. I'll sell your kids so I can get this set of china that I want. I know. Wasn't that horrible? That was awful. Sarah, Remember Sarah had four kids. Yeah, and Sarah and says she never, never forgave her for that. Never. She, how could you? The only one she left with her was Carrie, and they, cause, because they thought that Carrie was stupid. And Carrie wasn't. She wasn't stupid. I think she was more traumatized by the sale of her brothers and sisters. That's why she didn't talk. Yes. But they said she wouldn't get anything. They wouldn't get any money for her, so they might as well let her keep it there because she was stupid. But she wasn't stupid. One part of the book I thought that was very powerful to me is when Dana and Kevin had gotten back after um, both of them transported back. Right. And they were sitting around reflecting on their experience. But Dana had, I guess, a couple more times where she was going to transport. Mm -hmm. But they were there at home and they were saying, you know, the experience that they both ex had um, separate to right. each other. And one of the things she said that I realized how easy people could be trained to accept slavery. Yeah. But that's prevalent today. Exactly. It's very easy to be enslaved. How we, we are so trained to accept some of the things that are happening in our lives. Exactly. The other thing that I found that was really powerful is when they came back, Dana, she was kind of shaking up and everything. And um, Kevin was having a hard time trying to 
Um, Reintegrate back into, into this world. world. He couldn't drive. He didn't know how to use the stove. He was wondering what a pencil sharpener was. And because he'd been, in his time, he'd been back in the 1800s for five years. He accepted it more being back there than Dana. Dana was steadfast saying, I'm not going to accept it. It's just going to be a part of my life forever. Yeah. Kevin, he embraced it, seemed it, like. It seemed like to me he was getting used to it. Mm hmm. He even got, his accent changed. His he, accent changed. And even though he um, helped some slaves get free, the fact that he was. He was his teacher, you know. He just like resumed his life a hundred and you know, two hundred years later, and it was hard for him to go back and get reacclimated to where he was really from, his time, and he didn't have the hardships that uh, black people had. He didn't. It was easy for him to go ride up and down the East Coast, yeah. no one questioning him. And then he asked her, because he wanted to know, and he roundabout way, did Rufus rape you? Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, Rufus, in her mind, Rufus don't see me like this. No, he yeah. would never do that he to me. But Mark, and he said, well, if he would have, I would have forgiven you. And I said, what kind of jacked up ass question or response to your you wife being raped is I'm going to forgive, forgive you. you. you bad, wrong, wrong answer. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. She would have been helpless if he had. Most rape, like most rape victims, they're helpless in that moment, they can't do anything. Now, imagine that in slavery days where if it took somebody to hold you down, they were going to rape you. And they used rape against black women to exert their power over them in another way through shame and guilt, keeping them in line. If you don't do what I say, you, you don't tell me, you know, you know, if you don't do what I say, this is going to happen again. That's how they broke the women down. And how they broke the men down was to know that I had your wife. My thing was, if you were going to come to me as my husband, and I've been gone mm -hmm. for four or five months, yep. and you've been gone for five, five years, years, who, who you we, tapping? Who you been slooming? That's right. Because ain't no man, especially if you think you dead or something, because it's been so long. Five years is a long time. She didn't question him? She didn't question him one bit about who he was zooming. And I'm like, you've been gone for five years, and you've been from Maryland to Maine. Uh-huh, and you've been, been celibate. Oh, let oh. me ask you, have you been celibate for five years? Mm -hmm. Look me in my eye and tell me. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I believe that. Now, did you <laughs> feel a part of her journey when Tom Whalen first whipped her, and everybody said, well, you just got off light. He could have he done worse than other. Whip is a whip. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if it's two stripes or 200. She, and, and that traumatized her back to 1976. Mm -hmm. And she said her clothes were stuck to, stuck her, to her body. body. She had to sit in the tub to let the, toe, the clothes detach from her skin. Oh. And, and then she tried to put ointment on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, it, it's never, it never stops to, to shock me. They didn't, wanna, they didn't want that to happen to them. <laughs> so it was a survival thing. If you are African-American born in this country and your ancestors were born in this country, you are a survivor. Yes. Because a lot of us didn't make it off the boat. Now, how do you think you would have handled being in that time travel and being in the antebellum south of Maryland in the 1800s? Well, I think that I would have in the beginning rebelled. Yes. Oh, no. You called me say, what? Oh, no, you didn't. That would have got probably beat out of me the first three days I was there. Yeah. Because I would have a hard time submitting like that. Because these days, let's say 
for the most part, a white one, a white person comes up and slaps you across the face. Your first, your first instinct would be to fight back. Yes. And then after you fight back, you call the police, and you tell the police he came up and slapped me in my face. And the police said, "Did you do that?" And other people said, around, "Yeah, he did." Clank, clank. You go in the, in the cuff and get taken off. It wasn't like that then. Mm -mm. You could tell somebody he slapped me if you want to. Everybody white in the room would turn around and take turns slapping you, because you were nothing but property. So. I would probably rebel the first couple, two or three days, but then for survival's sake and to not die a horrible death, I'd fall in line. A lot of people say that I'd do this and I'd do that. and I'd do, no, you I wouldn't. wouldn't let them talk to me like that. Uh-uh, they wouldn't do that to me. This is what I would do. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. That's why I think that they were born for that time because maybe if I were born in that time and my personality, because I, maybe I would have wound up dead. Mm -hmm. So I had to have the ancestors that I had that were willing to do what they had to do to survive so that I would survive. Yeah, I tell people all the time, my ancestors fought for a freedom that they never had. Mm -hmm. So I can have the freedom that I have today. And then the time travel, going back and forth. She said she would wake up and she would feel the comfort of her bed mm -hmm. because she had to sleep on the floor. Sleep on the floor. And then they didn't have showers back then for black people. She, one of the things she kept in her bag was soap. Soap and deodorant. They didn't have that stuff back then. And she said, toothpaste, toothbrush and toothpaste. toothpaste. She said everybody stunk back then. Yeah. And then after a while, you just get used to it. He, and that's what I'm thinking, that everybody was stinking. And if everybody was stinking, then nobody was stinking because everybody was smelling their own stink. But she had to have her soap, her toothbrush, and toothpaste. And she all she wanted enough to do it. And her knife. And her knife, which I think got her in more trouble than it did. Uh, helped her. Helped her. But oh yeah. And then, if you did have to take a bath, it took forever. I know they had to shed that water. Huh. Hurry up. Hurry up. You for the to water get cold. So you can't stand. Cold, dirty water. I remember when I went to Cape Town, and one of the things I had to learn when I went to Cape Town, because they were going through a possible... Um, Water shortage. You know, we're going to run out of water. Oh, Lord. And they said, one of the things we asked you to do, because I went there to study for a month as a student, when you take your shower, put a bucket in the, in the um, shower, and when you wet yourself down, turn the water off, you know, soap up, turn the water back on, and rinse off. And the water that you use in the bucket, you flush the toilet with. Oh, Lord. When I came back home, I said, <laughs> God, I know... I know better, but I'm going to stand in this shower for a half an hour running that hot water. But George is like, hey, get out of the shower. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just want to take a long, hot shower. So, I, you know, mm -mm. transporting back, the first thing I would have did was just get in that bathtub and soak. You remember one point Rufus told her, go to Alice and say, tell her I want her to come to me? Yeah. And she really didn't want to do that because she knew Alice didn't want that. Yeah, she didn't. But she also knew that if she didn't, that it was a danger of her never being born. Yes. So part of that was self-preservation, um, and part of it was to save Alice. Mm-hmm. So I think that, because Alice was thinking about running away again. And she but, knew it was dangerous. Yeah. And, and, and Dana told her, think about that. Yeah. And she'd had, uh, at that point, I think Alice had had two kids, and both of them were boys. And then finally Hagar came, and she said, well, good, she's born now.
So I guess she was thinking, since she's born now, I don't have to come back anymore. Yes. But she did. One more time. One more time. And I think every time she came back, she was more hateful of him. That's why mm-hmm. she kept that knife. Yeah. She, she. I think at one point she think I may have to use this yeah, to save, to my, save life. my life. Exactly. And I think Sarah warned her about him because she was, you know, kind of saying, well, he's not that bad. Blah, 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 blah. But Alice told and her that. Was it Alice or yeah. Sarah? Alice, because you remember Alice, she was like, well, you know, um, Rufus said he's going to uh, make your children free. Free. And she said she didn't believe it. I don't believe it. Where are the papers? Where are the papers? She said, I won't believe until I see it on the papers. And the fact was, she was telling the truth. She was. Because that's how he held her there. Oh, I'm going to let the kids go free. I'm going to let the kids go free. I'm going to sign the papers where they can go free. And he never did. Now, the last part of the book, everything came together. Mm -hmm. She came back, and that's where she found Alice. Alice was dead. In the the barn, hung. Hung. She hung herself. And she asked her, and she was like, what happened, Rufus? I don't know what happened. She was so, we were getting along so well. Every time you left, um, we did, it, things just went bad. When you were here, it was always so good. Mm-hmm. She said she came to me one night. I thought it, everything had, you know, started to turn around, and she was starting to, to kind of like me or love me. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, why would you sell her children? He said, I didn't sell them. I took them took him to my aunt's house with my mother. Mm-hmm. But why would you do why that? Why would you do that? And they have that woman thinking you stole her children. It was sold. And he probably did tell her he sold them to get back at her because she wasn't, you know, wasn't cooperating. She tr- no, she tried to run away. Yeah. Again. She tried to run away. Again. And so, but it backfired on him. Yep. And poor Alice. Yep. I always felt so bad. I, I felt so bad for her. You know, because when they said she was hanging in the barn, so she'd been there a while because she was stiff. Yeah, mouth open and eyes. I mean, it was just so sad. And she had dressed herself up. She cleaned she herself. She wasn't going. She wasn't going out of this world dirty. He did have the decency to give her a, a burial, a real burial with a real coffin and all that stuff. Yeah. Then he turned his attentions to, to Dana to Dana because they look so much alike. So my thing is, just how much in love with you were, were you with Alice? If all of a sudden, okay, well, Alice is gone now, so maybe I'll come after you. Because, after like you. he said, they were the two sides of the same, same coin. coin. Yeah. So it, so it didn't matter. They you were know, interchangeable you, to him. Yeah. They were interchangeable, which was like with most uh, slave owners of that day. You didn't perform right, or you didn't have good kids, or... Or you're getting older. You're getting older, uh, so I'll just switch you out with somebody else, a younger one. He started to... They were laying on... He, Laying on the floor, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Oh no, this ain't happening." Mm-hmm. And she stabbed him. She stabbed him. That's when she. Now we were discussing this earlier. I didn't see how when she was tra- when she was transporting back over to 1976, mm-hmm. and at one point she lost her arm. Yeah. So I, I I just couldn't understand that way. Well, the way I saw it was that he was he had grabbed hold of her arm when. She stabbed him. Yes. And because he had a hold of her arm, when she came back into this world, um, she didn't take him with her. Because I don't think you could have taken she could have taken anybody from that time into this time. No. So, what the reason why she lost her arm was because when he had a hold of her arm, her arm went into a wall. Yes. So she lost her arm in the wall because had that wall. And that 
represented his grip on her. Yeah. So I think that that was just me. That's the way I thought of it. Oh, you know, that's a good way of thinking about it. I had never thought of it, but I like it. Once they, once she came back and she lost her arm, they eventually decided they were going to go back mm -hmm. to this, find a plantation, find some information that happened during that period to see what happened to the farm right. once she left, after she left. And they found the farm, but it was they had already built on it. They built on it. So it wasn't a farm anymore. It wasn't a plantation. But I think she found out that the farm had burned down and Rufus had died in the fire. Yeah. And I think that that was because, uh, what's her name? Uh, Nigel. Nigel covered for her because he was stabbed. He was dead from stabbing. It wasn't fire. Mm -mm. But I think Nigel uh, covered, it, covered up. it up and caught the house on fire. And, you know, they didn't have forensic science then. You know, he just burned down to the bone. And everybody could say, like they could tell these days, well, that's not the burn. The fire didn't kill him. It was this right here. They didn't have that kind of technology. So uh, fire was perfectly, okay, well, he died in the fire. So when they came back, when they went back, they, she did find a little bit of information about mm -hmm. Rufus, and yeah. they said he had died in a fire. Yep. And that's what she put, you know, try to figure out. She, I think she put it together that Nigel, I think because Nigel had came in. Yeah, he came in. Just before she, he, she, before she left. Before she left. And... He set fire. He set fire. And, but they didn't have information on Nigel and uh, <clears throat> some of the other slaves. Mm -hmm. So maybe they got away after the fire. I'm thinking they may have gotten away. Yeah, the house burned down and they just ran. They just ran. And I think, and that's how the story ended. Mm -hmm. It is a very, uh, I like her, her, her style of writing. Exactly. I like the way she explains things. Mm -hmm. I'm going to details. And like I said, it doesn't feel like a sci-fi book to me. Right. It feels more historical to me. It means more historical and the and the um, characters are more realistic. Yeah. Now I've read a couple of her other books. Mm -hmm. Even with that, I still feel a connection with some of those characters. Exactly. Even though they're, like one of her books, they're vampires and one of the main characters is a vampire. But they still feel real. Yeah. So I highly suggest people read Octavia Butler. Kendrick is um, almost I want to say 40 years? Yeah. Or more? The, the book was way ahead of its time. Some of her other books that I've read, one of her books, they were talking about a drought in California. Mm -hmm. This We're still experiencing drought in California. Exactly. So that was 40 years ago. So she, her writing is uh, way ahead way of its time. The, way, way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. And I don't think she gets the recognition. She, she wins a lot of awards, but a lot of people don't necessarily see black women mm -hmm. in sci-fi. Exactly. So that's why I wanted to do this podcast to bring awareness to a lot of our black brothers and sisters who write. Mm -hmm. And they put a lot of time and effort and thought into their books, yeah. into their characters, into their style. And we, they just don't get the recognition. Get the recognition. A lot yeah. of people think that I should, oh, you should just write about um, a whole bunch of other stuff. And maybe I will at one point. At one point. But right now it's in Let's my heart to do this. Do this, yeah. So some of these books that we're going to be reading, you may never have heard of these people. Exactly. Never heard of them. But it's but. wonderful when you do find something, because now I've exposed Octavia Butler to two people who say, I'm going to read some more of her stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we have to broaden our minds as a people to realize that we can write sci-fi, we can write historical, we can do a lot of things. There may be some young people out there right now who just write, 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 and feel as though I'm just writing because I just do it because it makes me feel better. But that be, could be something that you can write yeah. and share with the whole world. Yeah. Well, you know I'm working on my screenplays. I know. They're almost done. They're almost done. 
and I had to quit doubting myself and quit, well, what if, you know, the what ifs is what will hold you back. Yes. But what if you don't? I know. Then you'll never know. Then you'll never. This podcast for me came about because I just said, Vanita, the only way you're going to get what you want is to just go for it. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it right the first time, it ain't no big thing. You can keep keep going. Keep it's going. It's your ball and it's your bat and you keep hitting until you swing. You keep swinging until you hit. Thank you. As simple as that. One of the biggest things I've learned and, and keeps me going is, you know the... Um, the cleaner called 409? Yeah. The reason it's called 409 is because it took them 409 tries to get it right. Oh, wow. And that's why they call it 409. Well, go on. I didn't know that. Yes. I just thought it was some chemical. No, they uh, took them 409 <laughs> times to get that formula correct before they said yeah. it was all right. All right. Well. So it, it, you're not going to get it the first time. Maybe you will. Maybe you now, won't. The, but you, you, you certainly won't if you don't try. You don't try. You have to try. That's right. Amen. And with that, we're going to say goodbye. And I'd like to thank everyone for coming in to listening to our podcast. We appreciate your time. And with that, we're going to say see you next time. See you next time.